Fantastic. I oh, did the band do a good job this morning, hey? Give him a big, come on, give him a big clap. Yeah, fantastic. Turn to your neighbour and say, you're very good looking. Go on, just turn to your neighbour say, you're very good looking. If you're by yourself, talk to yourself then. <laughs> you're doing good? Trying to. Well, I believe in the Holy Spirit this morning. God is here. Jesus is here. You're here. We're going to do something good today, and God is going to do something even better in our lives today. What do you think? What do you think? Okay, very good. I'm just thrilled about our our series called Close Encounters, you know. I think it's just marvellous what God is doing in our church here. It's so good, and I'm so pleased that you came to church today, even though there's football on this afternoon, and uh, even though there was football on yesterday, but... uh, God is here. A Holy Spirit is here in this room. What do you reckon? I wonder, guys, if I can have the house lights on so I can see some faces this morning. Is that okay? Fantastic. I pray. I'm also praying that you came with an expectation here to receive something from God. Because directly after our service, we're going to be praying for people. And we are believing God for a breakthrough. Okay. All three of you. Okay, I'm believing for a breakthrough. (laughs) You're a hard crowd. I'm going to work on you guys. Okay, fantastic. I want to tell you a story just as I start off uh, Close Encounters today. Uh, We had our women's conference uh, several weeks ago, fantastic conference, and God really did some powerful prophetic words, but all the blokes were in the kitchen putting the meals together. And Pastor David said to me, Paul, go and buy some extra sourdough bread. And I said, where? He said, the NT Bakery. I said, where is that? And uh, I found it. And then I brought it all back. And he said to me, I don't think we've got enough. Can you just go to the supermarket and buy some more? So, okay. So I went to Woolworths. They didn't have any. The bakery opposite, they only had one loaf and had to get about three. So I go to Coles. I walk into Coles. And as I walk in there trying to find the bread counter... And you've seen these things. There are these big crates, these steel things on wheels filled with boxes. And as I'm standing there waiting for my turn to get some sourdough bread, which was never eaten, by the way, because we had too much. um, (laughs) I'm standing there and there's this crate of boxes and God spoke to me. And he said one word, look. And... I had no idea what God wanted me to do with these pile of boxes in this trolley. But I bought the sourdough bread and came back. And for weeks on end, I was waiting, trying to understand what God was saying to me. So today, I want you to look at Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at Luke chapter 7. There's an interesting story that we have here. And... um, in fact, let's go a few more chapters further than that. Let's go to Luke chapter 9 instead. That, that might be better. I'll read it to you. Is that okay? Uh, we don't bring our Bibles to church anymore, do we? We've got our digital Bibles here. Yeah, okay, so just open up your iPads, eyelids, and everything. Okay, Luke 9, 1 to 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people that, who were listening, he entered Capernaum. Verse 2, there a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. Verse 3, the centurion heard of Jesus. Everyone say heard. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and to heal his servant. Now, this is the NIV, the word ask. It's actually the word plead. Begging is the closer word in the Greek. Verse 4, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded. Here we go. They're begging earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and he has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. Okay, so you got the picture? Okay. So he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. And that is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. 
And verse 8 says this, For I myself, I am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I tell this one go, and they go, and I tell this one come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And in verse 9, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. The Bible only records two times when Jesus was amazed, and that was the unbelief of Israel in here, in this story right here, that he was amazed. And he, he turned to the crowd following me and said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. And then the men who had been sent returned to the house and they found the servant well. The faith of a centurion. It's an interesting story, isn't it? It's a very interesting story. And I'm going to read some more Bible verses in a moment. But, you know, Jesus had never seen or marveled at such faith from a centurion. Let's look at that for a moment. You know, what happened was he sent the elders, some Jewish elders first, uh, uh, to, to, the, to Jesus. He felt unworthy to go directly himself. And so Jesus decides, okay, the elders come up to him and they say, look, we, we, we are pleading with you, can you come? Our, our leader, our centurion, our boss, his servant's very sick, please come. And so Jesus agrees to come and it's what's interesting, as Jesus starts to come, the centurion has another idea. He changes his mind. <laughs> Having Jesus at his home, he says, he, and he sees way down the road, he looks down the road and he sees Jesus coming and he's overwhelmed by his unworthiness. The Son of God is coming to my house. <laughs> I'm unworthy. And he says, I'm out of line. I'm, I'm, I, I presume he's thinking this way. I've presumed I'm not worthy to have him under, the, under my roof. Can you feel the tone of this guy? His unworthiness. And then he thinks more deeply. He thinks again. And he gets a second group of friends to go out and to meet with Jesus and says, all you need to do, Jesus, is speak a word of authority. Wow. Prayer by distance. He's way down the end of the road and Jesus heals him. And that's why we have those purple cards. We, we, are, we can pray for people down the road and around the globe. You know? And that's the reason why it's so important that we continue to pray. Even if they're not in this, this, the, the territory, we can continue to pray for people who are far away. Because we have an example here of a miracle happening at a distance. And I tell you what, when we pray, John MacArthur in one of his books, Alone with God, says our prayers are to be frequent and fervent. Everyone say fervent. Now fervent means we speak and we get enthusiastic. And we're, we, we are certain, we are definite about what we're praying about. You know, Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, we are told that there was this malevolent, evil, angelic demon thing that was holding back the delivery of an answer to prayer to Daniel. Prayer is critical for a breakthrough. Prayer is very important. And even in Jerusalem, when, when conditions, when the government, when everything was falling apart, the Bible tells us that Hezekiah prayed for a miracle. Even though he saw everything falling apart, he believed God and he prayed fervently and frequently. I encourage you to pray. Job chapter 5 says he performs wonders that can't be fathomed, miracles. And that often occurs as a result of intense, fervent prayer. Church, every Wednesday night here, we pray. Even before church this morning, we pray. And we're praying for you. I invite you to up your prayer life a little bit. 
You can pray in the street now, you know, like people have earphones in and they're talking to their mother or father or girlfriend or boyfriend. They're talking all by themselves. You can pray on the street now, pray in tongues. It doesn't matter because everyone else is talking to someone with their phone, okay? You're not seen as a weirdo anymore, okay? You can walk down the street, shut out Akita, but and they'll just look at you, he's on the phone talking to his brother. Okay, talking a strange language. Pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. Pray by distance. Pray for breakthroughs in people's lives. And can I encourage you? Be, you know, look, a prayerless church is a powerless church. The more we pray, it's greater spiritual breakthrough. I encourage you, come on a Wednesday night. Come on a Wednesday night, come before church on a Sunday morning, just get a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit. Get out of bed a bit earlier. <laughs> look, if I start preaching badly, in, in, South, in, in, the, in the United States, in the South, uh, in an African-American church, if you're preaching badly, the women go, help him, Jesus, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> and when you're preaching well, they get out the hanky, yeah. yeah, okay, don't do that. Okay. So again, uh, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you, if someone shadowed you for 24 hours... If someone followed you for 24 hours, how much praying would occur would they witness? Here's the challenge, isn't it? That's the challenge. If we want to be a spiritual people, we want to see breakthrough in people's lives, we want to see breakthroughs in our family, our finances, even our government, we need to be praying and believing God. So I want to catch you praying when I, when I walk behind you, hear you praying. And, you know, David says this in Psalm 119, as he prayed, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me, Lord. There's a passion of a guy who had everything, but he still needed the revival power of God in his life. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. So here's, after this boy, the servant, we assume the servant is healed, Jesus, and the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 9 that this crowd starts to walk onto this next city of name. It's about, I think, about 13 kilometres, a large group of people. And as they're walking towards the city of Nain, they come to the gates of Nain. And the Bible tells us coming in the other direction is a procession. It's a funeral procession. They're coming, a large crowd of people, the hired people, the family members. They are crying. It's desperate. It's a sign of despair. It's horrible. It's sad. And they're coming towards the gates of Nain. And then coming this way towards Entering the gates of name is Jesus joyful that a servant has been healed with great joy. And there's this massive crash where despair meets the light of the world. Where despair meets life eternal. I'm believing for a bit of a smash this morning. I'm believing that we have a bit of a prang. Not a vehicle prang, but a a praying, a smash with the Holy Spirit this morning. What do you reckon? Yes. I believe we can do it. So here they are. This is a scene. This is a scene that Jesus and the crowd, they're probably singing songs as they come in. They're probably someone's got a guitar playing. Great joy, and they walk straight into this face of despair. And the Bible tells us that Jesus saw the widow and his heart went out for her. There in that coffin, it was an open coffin, her son would have been his only in, her, her only income and he was dead. No Centrelink payments, no cash and her life was over. And yet Jesus saw her amongst the crowd. And, and I think part of the disciples and the large crowd as they're coming towards it, they're looking what's going on, what's going on. And Jesus saw straight, Jesus saw straight into a person. He saw the despair in a person. His Holy Spirit is able to look directly into a person and see the despair. And it happens today here, even in this place, the Holy Spirit sees that despair and wants to meet with you. Am I shouting too much? Because I'm excited about a message because I believe the Holy Spirit can do something in this place today. 
What do you think? Yes. Is that a yes? yes? We are praying this morning, Pastor, J- uh, Pastor Jacob, Dr. Jacob, he said this, amongst all the trauma and chaos, God is present. And here's a situation, and I don't know what sort of, you may have come with a whole lot of stuff in your life happening at the moment, but here in this particular story, there's just trauma, there's chaos, there's sadness, there's people crying on this side, people on the other side, great joy. But in the midst of all of this, Jesus is in the centre of it all. He's in the centre of that circumstance and that situation. He's in the centre of your circumstances, whatever it may be. He is there with you through the Holy Spirit right now, today. Can anyone say amen to that? I'm, getting, I'm starting to get excited about this particular message. Thank you for that. Okay. My job is to stir you up this morning. Believe again. I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty tough, despair. Uh, I was a pastor in Toowoomba, uh, Queensland, and um, I got this phone call to visit a young couple. They were both, both 19 years of age, and uh, she was pregnant. And uh, Janine, Janine asked me never to tell this story, but I feel I should today. Um, the baby died inside. And uh, in Queensland, what they do is they take pictures, they wrap the baby up, and you hold the baby for a little while, and then they take the baby away. And so I got the phone call to go visit this couple. And I, my three girls were young at that time, and uh, so I sat there, uh, the mum and the dad, young couple, and I sat there for about an hour. They didn't say anything, I didn't say anything. I'm a useless pastor. (laughs) And after that, she started to cry, he started to cry, I started to cry, then we stopped crying. And at the end of an hour, he turned to me. He was one of the singers in church. He he, he had a voice from uh, a band, same as Chicago. I'm showing my age. (laughs) Chicago, yes, yes, yes. He had that sort of voice young guy and then he turned he says thanks for coming pastor it really helped I just sat there and said nothing because I didn't know what to say either and uh, I went back home and told Janine anyways months later another baby is born and uh, the baby was born and only survived for about two minutes I did the funeral for that and uh, You talk about chaos, trauma, stress, despair. It was all there. And we went to the graveside, and I I, I don't want to go into too many details, but the coffin's about that big. And here I am meant to do the pastor thing and talk Bible verses and dust to dust. Well, I'm just crying. Again, I didn't say anything. I'm just crying. And then mum threw herself down on the ground as the coffin was lowered. Trauma, chaos. And yet God was still doing something that no one could see. Worst day of my life. (laughs) Here I am meant to be ministering. I'm just crying my eyes out. Two years later... We're at the National Conference in Adelaide and there's this guy holding two girls, two blonde girls, and he comes up and says, hey, pastor, he says, hey, pastor, you remember me? Because we had left Toowoomba Church, we'd gone to Pioneer Church down the Gold Coast, and here he is carrying twins. He had every chance, and I thought to myself, after losing the second baby, what I thought was he's going to leave the church He's not going to trust God anymore. He's going to question God. He's going to question God's goodness. But he didn't. In fact, he went closer into God. 
Come on, I hear so many stories. Something happens and we withdraw. And he didn't understand, I didn't understand, but what he did was he pushed closer into God. And he kept singing, even though sometimes when he was singing, he was crying. But he kept pushing in. And here he was in the area, the welcome area at at the conference in Adelaide. And I said, whose kids are those? (laughs) They're mine, Pastor. And I was blown away. Somehow, we couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. But God was doing something. We didn't understand. We didn't understand why it happened. And there's no answers to that one. But God did something that was kind of, I can't explain it, but he was there on fire for God, having gone. And I I would suggest to you that Jesus was in the middle of all that trauma, all that chaos, and Jesus was embracing him by the Holy Spirit. I believe it. He had every opportunity to walk away and he chose not to. Can you hear him say amen to that? You know, somehow, somehow, God, the sovereign God of the universe can turn circumstances around, even though we don't see it sometimes. But as we trust him, he's able to turn it around. The Bible says that when Jesus saw this woman, he had pity. He had great pity on this woman. And his words, deeply, deeply human, don't cry. I don't know if she felt that was cruel or not, but I want you to know something. In the middle of a crowd, Jesus can speak to you. In the middle of church today, he can speak to your deepest need that no one knows anything about today. That's our saviour. He spoke directly to this woman. And the amazing thing about this, having spoken to the woman, said, don't cry, he then turns and he's about to face ritual defilement, surrounded by a whole lot of Jews who were also crying, the disciples and the crowd behind him. He was about to touch the body, but he doesn't. The Bible tells us that he laid his hand on the box, and then he spoke to the dead boy and said, arise. And the Bible tells us that he sat up and basically Jesus gave him over to his mum. There was a great sense of joy in that moment. There was a celebration, come on. That was a close encounter. That was the closest encounter you're ever going to see in your entire life. Everyone around, the Bible records that there was great joy and the next minute there was great fear, as in, whoa, who is this Jesus? They were standing in the presence of the Holy One and they had a close, every one of them had a close encounter. And then the Bible says they went from fear and then they started to worship in songs. It's... It's amazing. But he touched the box. So here I am in Coles. And all of those boxes were smashed. Now, boxes, uh, cereal boxes, um, uh, boxes are designed to contain. Boxes are designed to constrain, to hold back, to hold within. Boxes are designed to keep everything safe within it. And so when Jesus goes up to the boy, he touches the box. The pallbearers stop walking. They're wondering what's about to happen. And I want to say, when he says that, when he touches that box, I believe he's also touching our boxes too. You say, what are you talking about? You mean the boxes in the freezer? No, not those boxes. But he touches boxes. Now, boxes, again, you know, box of chocolates, right? Box of chocolates, um, you know, politicians have ballot boxes. We have boxes everywhere. 
Everything arrives in a box from Amazon. And the idea is it doesn't spill out. It contains, it controls, it restricts. That's what a box does. And this morning, I believe that God, through Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, can touch any box in your life. What does a box do? A box constrains. I was in grade 12 and my dad passed away in March, March 30th, grade 12. And uh, he had uh, lead poisoning. don't know how he did it, possibly licking paint or something. I have no idea how he got lead poisoning. Um, he had a withered hand. And the, the good news about we were going to a Presbyterian church but didn't believe in miracles, didn't believe in anything, hardly believed in the Bible. And uh, so... He went to a Pentecostal church for healing. And I remember he went forward, so I thought I'd go forward too. And, I, you know, I went with Dad because Dad was looking for healing for his withered hand, for his lead poisoning. And the doctor said that you've got a limited lifespan happening here. And so I went forward with him. They prayed for him. And half an hour later, I said, what happened? He says, well, you fell over. You got prayed for and you were down on the floor. <laughs> I'd never experienced that in my entire life, the Holy Spirit touching me. He was prayed for. My, my dad got saved after my mum went across the road to the church and she got saved. They were about to split up, but mum came back from church. She got born again, came back. She's got a smile on her face. My dad goes, what happened to you? He says, I got born again. So dad goes to church. He gets saved, right? right? And then I'm born and it was either me or the back fence. <laughs> I won. Uh, um, and they called me Paul, basically after the Apostle Paul. But here, my dad dies years later. I'm 17 years of age. And he said four words in the hospital. I remember them. Because all my brothers and sisters went to university. Right? I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. I'm the baby. Who's the baby of the family in here? Just lift your hand. Okay, we've got a few of you. You know, you know how many? Four or five above you? Well, three or two? Just two. I had, I had four above me. And they all went to university. One, one guy was a lawyer, a magistrate, and he became, that was his job. The next one, my sister, she, she uh, um, peaked in teacher education. She was one of the big teachers in Queensland. Uh, then there's my other brother. He was a dentist, dangerous guy to be around. And then my other sister, she worked, she worked in the government and then she would work and then she would finally end up marrying the police commissioner. And so she was with the police. And here's my dad. Out of love towards my mum, said, "You can't go to uni university. You got to look after your mum." So that was the label that was placed on my box. Five words: "You can't go to university." And this is this is the dad, and he did it out of love. And I didn't go to university in my first year. In fact, I enrolled in, a, in a, a, a distance education course with our Bible college, our National Bible College. At the same time, I looked after mum. I painted this old Queenslander, replaced all the stumps, painted the roof and did everything. That was my keep to do that. That house is still standing, by the way, surrounded by high-rise flats. That house is still standing. You ain't going to knock those stumps over. 32 stumps, concrete, steel, everything, everything. But I want to tell you something. I had to work. God had to touch my box. I had to believe, and he did it in love. I thought it was unfair that I couldn't go to uni. But God had to touch that box to change my thinking. I now have eight degrees and other diplomas. Why? Because it had been a box and that box could have lasted it wasn't intentional by my dad, but it became a box that I couldn't go any further. I loved my mum. I looked after her. So what am I saying today? What I'm saying is there can be labels on our boxes, okay? But our identity is in Christ. With our Indigenous people, you know, you have, you have your own culture, but I want to say above and beyond your culture, above and beyond our culture, we are... Our identity is in Jesus and we have an inheritance in Jesus. That's above our, our culture, above your culture. And that's our identity. 
And when we grab a hold of that, we see things differently. And when I grew a hold, when I grabbed a hold of that, I was able to see my identity differently and God spoke to me about education and I went to Bible school and did did all my studies as a result of that. So right now, when Jesus touched that coffin box and all of the widows, all of her dreams, her future... Everything about her was packed away and she was about to bury her life, her son, in a box. And I want to say to you, Jesus just touched that box and then spoke life. And you, I look, come on, there's all, there's all sorts of boxes that we have. Our culture has boxes, come on. You know, our young people, you know, they're being told that there's a 17 genders box that you need. You know, you can be in part of that. And there's a lot of pressure on our young people to conform to some of the boxes of society. Your identity is in that box there. Jump in. And there are other boxes. There's the celebrate sin box. And if you don't jump in that box, you're a bigot. That's a box. That's, that's a cultural box. And there's another box. This box is you better get on the right side of history. There's all sorts of boxes. Our culture says you've got to be a part. Get in that box. Our response, if 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 you've experienced a box in your life, someone has spoken a word over you, some negative comments and you've taken it in and, and it's created a box for you. Uh, you're not as good as your sister or your brother. All those sort of, all that negative conversation over your life puts you in that box and you start to believe it. That's your identity. That's my identity, that box. But Jesus touches it. He touches that box. And he, like at Coles, I stood there and every one of those boxes was stacked and smashed. And that's what the Spirit was trying to say to me today. And I want to tell you, he is in the business of smashing boxes. You have an identity in Jesus. Your history can be broken. There's a brand new day filled with the Holy Spirit. He's able to do above and beyond what you can ask, think, or even imagine. So whatever that box is, he can smash it and break it over your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm trying to say this morning? You know, when our box is broken... We can dream again. We can believe again. You know, freedom. You know, maybe you've got a hidden addiction and that's your box and no one knows about it. It can be broken by the Holy Spirit. His hand can touch it today. Whatever that hidden addiction is. You know, when, when we built a church in, on the Gold Coast, we, had, we built an office block and offices up here and then the main auditorium, we built it without the second floor in and we covered the glass and we put gyprock right up on, right up in the wall so it was a dark, dark box, right? And the builder said to me, what sort of church is this? Is this a satanic church? I said, what? I said, no, we've just got LED screens and projectors and everything, we want good light. Oh, Oh, we were afraid to come in here because we thought the roof might cave in on us. Have you ever heard a friend say that? I can't go to church because the roof might cave in. Right? I've got so much sin in my life. If I go to church, I can't go, I can't go to church. There's too much sin. I just wonder, for the centurion, he missed out. He missed out meeting Jesus, having a cup of tea in his home because he thought he was unworthy. Hey, hey, we're all unworthy. (laughs) Every one of us is unworthy. And that's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is 
We are full of sin and we are unworthy and yet he still wants to save us and fill us with the Holy Spirit. And yet somehow, somehow, <laughs> you know, there are people, they come to church, they come for the miracle, but they don't want to have Jesus. You know, here's this guy, he gets his miracle, his servant's healed, but he doesn't have his encounter with Jesus because he feels unworthy. We are all unworthy, but by the grace of God. And by the grace and the goodness of God, he comes and embraces us. The roof will not fall on your head. He loves you. And even though we sin and keep sinning and keep sinning, even as believers, he still comes, still embraces us and still loves us. Oh, how many people love Jesus? Okay, 15 of you, right? We're going to pray in a few minutes' time. I'm believing, God, for boxes to be broken. I think I told you the story before. My mum, she was 94, she passed away. And, but she would tell me, even in her 90s, her sister Shirley had curly hair, curly Shirley, all right? And as little girls, little girls... When people would come up, they would say to Shirley, isn't your hair nice? But they never said anything to mum. And here's mum at 90 years of age still telling that story that I'm not as pretty. That's a box. Got it? That's a box that you carry for the rest of your life. And it's not true. Because I want to say to you, the enemy wants to build a box around you, okay? And that young guy who preached, that young guy, our, our worship leader from Toowoomba, he could have so easily gone into the box of despair and moved away from God, but he chose to move forward. So I want to pray today. I'm believing God is going to, through his Holy Spirit, going to do something powerful in our lives is that okay yes. look the coffee will be there and you can have your free coffee that's okay but i would prefer that god do some resurrecting in our lives yes. some healing and some restoration yes. whatever it may be god can do that what do you reckon Amen. yes, yes? yes. okay so What we're going to do, I'm going to ask the prayer team. We've got some anointing oil. We're also going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit over your life because that's where the power is. I believe that's where the power is. If you've got a head, it can be a landing strip for the flame of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And I believe in the power of the Spirit of God. He's able to do above and beyond what we can even imagine. Think. God can do that through His Spirit. Yes? So we're going to sing a song. And this song is with our hands raised, singing hallelujah. We're going to encounter God, but we're also going to pray. Just look at me for a moment. Too many people have shame and guilt over their lives. Maybe the marriage didn't work out. Maybe you said something years ago and you destroyed a relationship and now there's a level of guilt and shame over your life. That's a box. Let's believe that can disappear too. Today by the power of the Spirit. Whatever that box is in your life, let's believe God. I'm going to ask you to come forward in a few minutes. Why do I do that? Because you're taking a step of faith and you are believing God is going to touch you. For those who are married, you do recall you did come forward. You didn't get married in your seat at the back, did you? <laughs> you came forward, didn't you? It was a statement. It's a declaration that you were going to love her and she was going to love you and then you have a big smooch and a big kiss in front of everyone. It's a statement that you've committed yourself to each other. And I want to encourage you to step out of your seat this morning by faith and make a statement to God, I want to change. 
I want this box to go. I want to know what it means to have a relationship with God. If that's, if that's what you want to know, we can pray with you for salvation. But I'm also believing we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit over your life. What do you reckon? Would you stand with us? Let's worship. At any moment, leave your seat. Come forward. And we're going to pray. Let's sing. Come on. Thank you right now. You're colliding with my box, touching my box, breaking open the thing that has held me back, contain me, constrain me. Father, bring Holy Spirit power into my life right now. Thank you, Lord, that you're giving hope in my situation, my circumstance in the name of Jesus. And once again, I surrender my life to you. Break open my life, I pray, oh God. Help me to live for your glory, I pray. Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit power. God, may there be an overflow out of my life. Not the overflow of the box, but a life filled with your Spirit, I pray, oh God. Break open those boxes, God. Destroy, smash. All of this history, dear God, break it away. In the wonderful name of Jesus, can someone say amen? Come on, let's continue to worship. Lift your hands, come, come on, let's do it. Let's encounter, let's draw closer to God. With my hands.
Everyone lift your voice. Come on. Let's do it. Thank you for sending the Spirit right now, ministering to people right now, Lord God. Thank you for the power of your Spirit right now, touching hearts and touching lives. Thank you, people, are being renewed today, dear God. The old is gone, the new has come. Thank you, dear God, that we can leave this place changed, filled with your Spirit. History gone, washed away, no longer constraining, no longer holding us back. Mistakes, chaos, trauma, gone in the name of Jesus. Thank you for a brand new life, Lord God. Thank you for a new future. Thank you for the freshness of the Spirit. Thank you, God, that you're touching our hearts, touching those boxes, touching that trauma, Lord God. And in exchange, you're giving us a fresh anointing of the Spirit in the wonderful name of God. Thank you, Lord. got a few more minutes we're going to close this service you need to come out of your seat now's the time to do it it is you we adore Sing this a final time. doing some great work here this morning. If you need to have some coffee, go have some coffee. We're going to keep praying for people right now. You need some prayer, slip out of your seat. We're going to pray for you right now. We're going to close the service. We're going to keep worshipping just for a few more minutes.
Lift our hands. Come on. Let's worship. Come on. God, thank you, God. Oh, it's you. It's you. We adore. Singing hallelujah. Spirit of God, come, Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, come. Come afresh on your people right now Holy Spirit come with the flame and fire cause your fire to cause us to be afresh and you and you in the name of Jesus come Lord God break us open dear God turn us around Lord God passion in our spirit dear God fire in our belly dear God to serve you Father pour prayer burden in our heart again dear God burn afresh dear God in our spirit we thirst, we hunger for you we adore you we thank you to encounter you dear God we want to draw near to you we love you Lord we praise your name we sing hallelujah hallelujah